Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everyone. Welcome into a, a somber edition of the Wolverine.com podcast, our post-game edition. We are live about 15, 20 minutes after the Orange Bowl went final, it did not go Michigan's way, although if you're watching this, you know that already. Georgia wins 34-11. Um, if you want to take a positive out of it right off the bat, Michigan won the second half, outscored them 8-7. to seven. But uh, it was just a um, – trying to trying to choose a PG word to describe it here. Just a, just a drubbing from the start. Uh, Georgia had 518 yards of total offense. Uh, Stetson Bennett talked about going into this game, how we thought Michigan had the quarterback advantage. Stetson Bennett, 310 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Georgia runs for almost 190 yards, or they run for 190 yards. Michigan only had 325 yards of total offense, ran the ball for 88 yards. It is, uh, I think we talked about it when we did our pregame show, uh, as, as I'm talking to former Michigan football defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen, who so graciously joins us after these games. Um, Michigan wasn't good enough to compete in a game like this if it didn't play its best game. And not only did it not play its best game, they played their worst game of the season. Uh, they got punched in the mouth, and, and it just never seemed like they got off the mat after that. It was so non-characteristic of this team in this game to you know, blink and be down 14 nothing, And I feel like, to be honest, we responded decently. You know, the, there was 14 points on the board before you could even think about it. Uh, brilliant play calling all game by, I can't remember his name, but the offensive coordinator by Georgia. Um, I Nothing against Mike McDonald, but he got beat today in a game of X and O's. And, I mean, I think he'll recognize that, get better from it. And we're going to have an elite defense, and we have a great defensive coordinator in Mike McDonald. But uh, the script went so well for them in the first two series. And then from there, the defense cranked the pressure up. Uh, and, you know, the, it was anything that Georgia wanted to have happen in that game for them to find success happened. And anything, contrarily, anything Michigan wanted to avoid happening happened. And um, it's a great team. They very well may win the national championship. Uh, my biggest thing that I kept telling myself is I'm still not disappointed with the team that we had this year and what they've been able to accomplish. Uh, I know that's jumping quick to getting over it, but uh, they didn't give up. They battled. They won the second half, like you said. Not that that's the most valiant thing in the world, but uh, they could have got stomped, and they didn't. So I got a lot of pride in what they did today. Yeah, we could talk about yeah, what, the, what the season was and the totality of it all. 
probably later on. Um, we'll talk about the game here. We'll take some questions from people, although some of them I can't share on the air because, I mean, we don't have to go by FCC guidelines here, but um, some of you guys are still feeling it, and I get it. I mean, that was that was rough, and it's tough. It's tough to be the butt of jokes, you know, in, in the primetime slot of a college football day. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was a Big Ten championship season. Uh, Michigan beat Ohio State. It, it knocked off so many narratives off the ledger this year, and we'll talk about that. But um, it's a little easier to swallow, especially like that. getting that last touchdown was – it looks a lot different having the three on the scoreboard compared to, you know, being in double digits. So we're talking about little mo- – um, you know, moral victory things here. And there are no moral victories. Like Michigan season is over. But um, let's talk about, I mean, the biggest the biggest storyline of the game, you know, something we talked about was that whose who's defense was going to show up, whose who's pass rush was going to show up. Georgia was able to get four sacks on Friday night. Michigan didn't have any. Uh, and according to the box score here, only had two quarterback hits. It, uh, what did you see? What did Georgia do to take guys like Aiden Hutchinson and, uh, and David Ojabo out of this game? They did a really good job of making sure that they had thick hits on Hutchinson with tight ends and um, you almost want to call it a chip, but with the duration that the block extended from the tight end helping the tackle with Hutchinson on the edge, you can't even really call it a chip, Um, but they did a really good job. They're always aware where Hutchinson was. In the first half, if you were to chart the plays, I'd like to believe that a good 75% or more of them just went the other way in a quick fashion to get away from Hutchinson. Uh, You saw a lot of plays where the linemen are jumping down, cut blocking, play balls coming out fast. Hutchinson's in a hurdle, you know, a good majority of the first half. So um, they did a great job scheming. And they're a great offensive line. I mean, they're huge at at the offensive line. Sailor at the left tackle, or yeah, at the left tackle, I think is – probably going to be an NFL guy for 10 plus years. The guy on the other side, number 70, don't remember his name, but watching him play super technically sound. And then they have great tight ends that are helping. And then if they need to, they help with the back. And then the few times we did get there, we find out that Stetson is, uh, you know, a track athlete that can run really well and move around. He credit to him. He played an amazing game. And, uh, you know, I think he impressed everybody maybe even himself with his athleticism and the plays he was able to make. But George is playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're excited about this rematch. This is almost like I was thinking if Michigan lost to Ohio State in the year, they should have beat them and then had an opportunity to play them again and redeem themselves. Think about the passion we play with. Like that's what you saw out of a really good Georgia team was a very motivated, very passionate, very elite football team. Well, to go on the flip side of it, I mean, we, we said this is was going to be a game that Michigan would either win or lose in the trenches. Didn't win the battle on the defensive side of the ball, but the offensive line, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, had a really tough time with Georgia's, Georgia's front as well. What did you see from those guys? Uh, and it just didn't seem like there was any consistent push at all throughout the night. No, we struggled in run blocking. Um, I mean, Georgia – Georgia's front six, front seven, depending on the package that they're in, they're they're massive athletes. I mean, um, they're obviously oversized at the defensive tackle position, which I think was kind of a weakness on our side that they took advantage of and exploited. Um, but they're they're elite defensive tackle, and they went balls to the wall, for lack of a better reference. They brought five, brought six, brought seven consistently, and. 
Um, when they came, they were well-timed. They were disciplined in their, their lanes. Um, they played tremendous football the whole way through the game. And uh, could Michigan have done a little bit more to slow them down? Potentially, but uh, I, I honestly think they just got outmatched and outplayed. And that's a tough team. It's a tough matchup. Yeah, I think that when you look at this season, the story of it is really reestablishing what the bar is or what the expectation should be, what you can do to get yourself in position to do this. So, I mean, you saw the effort it took to beat Ohio State, to win a Big Ten championship, and then you get to this next level, and it's a measuring stick, and you see where you go from there. I mean, obviously what you see as a program is that, uh, you know, like it or not about the SEC dominance and all that, like the two best teams in college football are going to play for a national title because they are the two most talent-rich teams in college football. They have these big, explosive athletes at multiple positions all over the field. Um, and I think if you want to take a silver lining out of it, we could talk about this. I mean, you sort of emptied the bench later in the game. Not really emptied the bench. I mean, we've seen the true freshmen like J.J., like Donovan Edwards, like Andre Anthony play throughout the year, but turn the keys over to those guys because they're a big part in the uh, the future of this program. And I thought that if you can take anything out of this game is that I thought that those guys played pretty well against, again, you go into even the Georgia backups and their backups to their backups are these, um, to quote the water boy, finely tuned athletic machines. So I thought it was a good showing from those guys late in the game. I agree. I thought the exact same thing, I'm trying to pull positives because it's easy to get frustrated and you know, be upset about the showing that we had, especially thinking that we had such a good feeling and finished the, the last two games of the season with such emphasis that this is um, going to be a little bit of a shock to the system. But um, Andre Anthony contributing late, J.J. McCarthy um, leading the drives. Donovan Edwards, aside from maybe one drop, he had an ex- excellent game. Blake Corum, um, you know, there's – so many positives that there's a bright future. You know, there's a lot coming back. We keep Ronnie Bell's coming back, uh, transfer from Virginia Tech at center. Uh, there, there's a lot of things to be excited about for the future of Michigan football because I think that's the next big question, not to move on too fast, but is is this year indicative of really good senior leadership, a.k.a. Hutchinson, McNamara, Hoskins, or Haskins, or is this uh, – you know, is it the assistant coaches? Is it the rejuvenation, the youth in, in the coaching staff? Is it a new Michigan that can repeat and have some similar results uh, 2022, 2023? So, um, yes, there was some silver lining and there were some positives about the contribution we got from the young guys late. Well, when we look at, uh, you know, the tone that was set early on, uh, we, we talked about how a big key in this game was going to be how Michigan was able to take care of Brock Bowers and – uh, they didn't. He was Georgia's leading receiver in terms of reception, six catches for 68 yards, had the touchdown catch on the opening drive, seven targets on the game. Um, what went wrong there? Just, uh, I mean, a couple times in coverage, you had a guy, I think Jalen Harrell was popped for a big one. I think maybe what it was Junior Colson that was popped for one at one point. Um, it seemed like they were able to get a matchup they wanted with him, and Michigan didn't have much of an answer for it. I think that's a result of losing on first down a lot. That was a big struggle in this game is that 
on first down, they were able to pound the ball for five, six, seven yards really consistently. A lot of their third downs, their average, like third and third and to go was one and a half, two yards in the third quarter at some point. So they were winning on first down. And a lot of that's due to not to single out positions, but we've talked before that defensive tackles are an area where we struggled. We got moved around a lot, uh, again, versus a really good guard-center, guard combination in Georgia. But um, we didn't hold the point very well on the interior, and they got enough on first down where the whole playbook was available to them for second, third down. And uh, I think they were able to scheme and then go to their plays that they liked and feel a little bit more confident that they could run them because uh, they're uh, having so much success. So if they can be on schedule like that series after series after series, it's going to end up being a long game defensively. And uh, that's right where they wanted to be. So uh, we will take some questions from the chat now. So if people want to quit arguing with each other in the chat, maybe we can get to some here. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit first, um, you know, this Georgia team. I know we all, most of us watched the SEC championship game because it was the lead into the Big Ten title game. We saw what happened when Georgia faced Alabama. Um, this, to me, looked like a different Georgia. I mean, not different. It was the same Georgia team we saw the first 12 weeks of the year. And, and I mean, arguably, given the stage it was on, the best game that they've played. Uh, those two teams are going to match up again now. Is this is Georgia the team to beat now, or is there still some, you know, the more we talk about Georgia, is that more of that yummy Nick Saban rat poison that they just seem to thrive on? I would say the latter of the two. It's the rat poison version because I think Georgia, if you watch that game, Georgia had a lot of opportunities where they brought the same pressures, the five, the six, the seven-man pressures against Bryce Young in Alabama, and – they missed the tackle and Bryce Young was athletic enough to escape and then pick up a first down, much like Stetson was doing, Stetson Bennett was doing to us this, this game. So like if you can anticipate that the defense from Georgia is going to play the way that they played against us and Cade McNamara, then Georgia is the team to beat, but um, no offense to Cade McNamara, but he is not Bryce Young and doesn't have the athleticism that Bryce Young has. And I think that that was the difference maker in that game. Once Alabama's ahead, much like Michigan, I feel like we were not prepared to be in a deficit of 21-3, 21-0, whatever it was. Whatever it was. Um, still hopeful, but we've not been in that position. So um, when Alabama had Georgia in that position, I think it shook them up, rattled them, got them off schedule, and – uh, led to the result we saw, which looked like a lopsided victory. But I think it's going to be a close game. I think you could feel, and that's why I want to talk to the guys around the field, you could feel that Georgia uh, has a certain passion to go and play against Alabama again. They're excited about it. They um, Even after the game, Kirby Smart doesn't want the Gatorade bath because this wasn't the game. This wasn't the one. So they're motivated. They're a good team. And Michigan, I feel like, is cemented as a – Top five, maybe the third best team. You'd probably argue that. But top five team this year. And I'm good with that. Um, I wish we could have done better this game, obviously. But I'm good with it. Well, there were a lot of things that we didn't expect to happen. I don't think we expected Stetson Bennett to turn into Russell Wilson in this game. But what what were other things that maybe surprised you about what we saw, given, you know, it, it just doesn't – this wasn't the Michigan team that we saw in any of the 13 games leading up to this. So what surprised you there? The turnovers, that's so out of character 
for us to have three turnovers, three possessions in a row, I believe, that resulted in turnovers at the end of the first half and then start of the second half. Uh, probably a result of pushing, trying to make a big play. And um, I would say the other thing is the break element in our defense. I feel like that's something that we're mostly aware of defensively is that we kind of have a bend, don't break mentality. You can pick up yards, but yards don't equal points. And I was counting on when the field got tighter and we got into the red zone, we would be able to hold them to field goals. But uh, tip of the cap to, again, should remember his name, but the offensive coordinator for Georgia, because uh, he had a plan and it, they executed very well. And uh, I don't know what the percentage was, but they were very successful all game. I got to imagine it carried over into the red zone. So um, a learning experience, I think, for Mike McDonald, who, again, is young in his coaching career. Had a great defense this year, and I think he's going to learn from this experience. But he he got beat up today in the X's and O's game. All right, we'll take a comment here from John, who says, it's a great year, pretty apparent that this is the ceiling, though. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that first, because I have a take on this. Uh, I mean, the ceiling for this team, potentially, when you have the team that Georgia has and Alabama has. Um, yeah, I mean – I would love to elevate and escalate and all that stuff, but from the years that we've had, just think that we're going to climb to number one and have a dominant number one team in the country, I think is unrealistic. And uh, not that I don't want that for our program, which I do, but uh, it's still great to recognize the progress that we've made. And uh, I also think the ceiling will be lifted with experience. And like we talked about, the young guys playing the way they did in this game um, leads me to believe that we're on our way to busting through another glass ceiling of winning our first college football playoff game, going to the national championship. I don't see that as being far off, but for this year, yeah, that might've been the ceiling for this team. Which is like, they busted through what the ceiling for this year's team was. I mean, Vegas had the over under set at seven and a half wins. Um, you know, given that the conversation around this program over the last couple of years is, well, clearly you can't break through. This is probably just a team that's going to win nine, 10, maybe 11 games in a, um, you know, an aberration year, but they'll just never beat Ohio State. They'll never get to Indy. If this was the ceiling, if winning the Big Ten championship and getting to the playoff is the ceiling, that's a pretty good ceiling to set. And not not that tonight hurts any less if you're a Michigan fan, but if this is the ceiling and you keep realizing that ceiling, you set yourself up for those recruiting classes to keep coming in. And then, who knows, maybe you get the athletes to where, you know, it takes time. I mean, I think people... This is something else I wanted to talk about was just the perspective of what this season has been um, from a just the totality of it is that this was a two and four team last year and people were calling for the coach to be fired. And, you know, Harbaugh made a lot of changes to this team, but they were still, you know, younger guys that we didn't know anything about. Um, They did lose a decent amount of talent. I mean, this uh, in the here and now, I, I understand people being upset, but I really do think when people wake up tomorrow and the sun comes up you're going to be pretty proud about the product that was on the field and when you look at who's coming back you're going to lose so much i get that you're going to lose you know 25 sacks off your roster and some pretty good senior leadership but when you look at what's still here especially when you see what those younger guys did later in the game um i don't know how you can't be at least excited going into next season knowing that if nothing else, you have a real shot to defend your Big Ten championship. And if you do that, then the rest take care of itself from there. Yeah, I agree. And something else I think is really important is these guys that are freshmen, the future of the program, have had this exposure to 
what it takes to get to this level because I feel like that's so important in the locker room and in the offseason is understanding how much extra has to be done and how you have to be at 100% all the time uh, in, in your preparation starting in January. And um, these guys, I feel like, have exposure to that. They've been exposed to a win against Ohio State. They've been exposed to the Big Ten Championship. Uh, they'll have the taste of what a ring's like, and it's only going to motivate them, I feel like, to achieve this again and then beyond. And that's how, you, you know, it, it's lucky that we have the leadership that we do now because I feel like it's so hard to generate if you haven't been to that summit before. Uh, but these guys have. And they're obviously going to be disappointed with the result of what this game was. So uh, they, you know, hard to say now, but it predict, I would predict that they're going to find a way to get to this, at least this level again, if not beyond in the next th two, three years. Yeah, we'll see. Recruiting, like I said, uh, our, our recruiting guys will take care of that, but they're off to, they finished 2022 strong. Uh, they're on to a good start in the 2023 class. Uh, I want to, again, I have to scroll through a bunch of people fighting for some reason, but I get it. So tough loss. Uh, this is from Jay, uh, Jay Jr. Pilot, who says, was JJ playing the whole fourth quarter, the passing of the torch from Cade to JJ? Thoughts on that? Good question. <laughs> Are we uh, even ready to have that conversation? Yet? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, Cause I thought the same thing. Um, from what I saw, it was, I mean, at that point, it's justifiable to say that we'll do anything to generate some offense. I mean, Donovan Edwards, if J.J. wouldn't move the ball like he did, maybe he's the next one up to run Wildcat or something. I mean, we were getting to a point of desperation. Um, but there's definitely a quarterback battle in the future uh, if, if both guys are still around. And uh, potentially, I mean, there's going to be a battle. J.J. McCarthy – if he can find a way to be bring the poise and if he could be a little smarter, I love his toughness, but the kid is going to end up hurt if he continues to run the way that he runs the football. Um, but his athletic element is Bryce Young ish is hate to say it because it doesn't seem right, but Stetson Bennett ish uh, the escapability that those guys have just make offenses that much more dynamic and as much as I like McNamara and what he does, he does not have that one element. It's not in his tool bag. Uh, so it's going to be a battle, and you've you got to respect the decision either way it goes, right? Because if McCarthy ends up the starter next year, you got to believe that Harbaugh sees that he's the best chance we have to win. If McNamara starts next year, he's won a Big Ten championship, been there, done that. So uh, either way it goes, you have to respect the decision, but it is – going to be the most interesting topic i think for the next nine months is who are we going to see uh, starting next year for the wolverines because there's going to be a battle yeah whoever emerges from that will have earned it and then some i mean it's i think you know the old saying is the rising tide lifts all boats um, whoever comes out of that whether it's player a player b take the name take the recruiting rankings out of it whoever it is you'd have to feel pretty good about where this thing stands here um i love this because I wanted to, I wanted to steer it in this direction a little bit, anyways. Uh, this is from Cordell, who says, "This game proves that there are levels to this. For Michigan to compete on this stage, they have to recruit like an SEC school. Period. It's literally that simple." Um, you know, I think in college football, I mean, we're going to see it's going to be on display in this national title game. It is so much about the haves and the have-nots now. Uh, 
you know, they say the old saying is, uh, it's more about the Jimmys and the Joes than the X's and the O's. And if you have both of them, you're really cooking there. Um, you know, if Michigan can keep recruiting the way it has the last year or so in the trenches, I think that they might be okay there. But it's it's about those skill positions too. There's uh, in a game like this, it's obvious there's still a lot of work to do. But winning football games will take care of that. It just takes time. I think so, and I think I think we're starting to recognize the gap in recruiting. I think that's something that was maybe discussed in dark alleyways and things of this nature uh, a couple of years ago, but I feel like it's starting to get this. I mean, this was an obvious example of veteran talent being better than veteran talent. And that's like, that's, that's the end all be all because you can say you're going to recruit four stars and three stars that have, you know, the, the magic sauce that you particularly like at whatever your college or university is. But at the end of their ter- time at your university, people are going to evaluate based on development and Georgia brings in great talent, develops them tremendously, makes them compete against each other. And, you know, they give a lot of guys time to play Michigan. I feel like recruits decent talent. And one of the question marks I've had is do we develop them? And I feel like group wise, you had the max you could get out of an Aiden Hutchinson. He might've got the max that he could have got at a community college with the attitude that he has potentially, but, um, you know, I think you got the most that you could out of a McNamara. You're getting the most you can out of a Hassan Haskins. So um, we're, we're developing. We're starting to make up the gap in recruiting. Uh, I feel like that's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, but from the last six months, I feel like we're, we're trending the right way in both the program and recruiting for the future of the program. Uh, another take from uh, Freeman, who says, the playoff committee put Michigan in the playoffs to compete, period. If they won, you're happy. If they lose, don't make excuses. I don't think anyone here has made excuses. I think, uh, well, the playoff committee put Michigan in because they earned it. They went 11-1 and in the regular season. They beat Ohio State. They won a Big Ten championship. Like, they deserve to be there. And call spade a spade. Like They got their ass beat tonight. That's There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They got punched in the mouth by a superior football team, uh, the team that was the best team in the country for most of the year. And I think there's a difference between making excuses and saying to not hang your head over it, I guess. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I'm not making any excuses. We lost a game, um, got handled in a game for four quarters. And if, if anything, I feel like we're, we're accepting it and, and trying to take lessons from it because that's all you can do. And... Um, yeah, we're in the playoffs, but we were also the two seed. It's not like we snuck in as a four. So um, we did deserve to be there. And I, I do think it's pretty clear and obvious that Georgia and Alabama are one, two. We'll see what order they should go in, but one, two in the country. And Michigan has a strong case that they're the third. I think Cincinnati has a strong case that they're the third. Uh, there may be another team that has a case for third, but uh, tier one programs this year, Alabama and Georgia, tier two, Michigan leads the pack. And uh, not saying we're satisfied with tier two, but accept where we're at and strive for better. But we haven't been at tier two and I'm still thankful, grateful and appreciative for what we had as a season. Uh, we've reached the point of the night where there are Ohio State fans entering the chat. So I probably we'll close this out soon. Uh, enjoy your Rose Bowl tomorrow that apparently you don't care about, but you're here for. I, I don't know. I'm not even going to talk crap. Michigan lost. Uh, it is what it is. Great season. 
we'll go from there. Um, something we can get out of here on, because I think we've pretty much tapped out of questions for the night, um, given the direction this comments, uh, the comment section is going. Heading into the offseason now, um, we talked about it before, where we feel like Michigan has a lot of pieces where you're going to lose a lot, but there are a lot of guys on the field tonight that, you know, their growth, their clock for 2022 started now too, um, as soon as that game starts going sideways. So points of emphasis in that program heading into the offseason. Um, if you're, let's just say you're one of the leaders on the team that's coming back, what's the rallying cry? How are you internalizing this and, and heading into next year? Well, I think that, you know, as I say, Georgia and Alabama is tier one tier and we're the start of tier two. No one on Michigan's team probably thinks that or would agree with that. And I can understand them having a problem with me saying something like that. It's just that's talent wise what it looked like, at least you know from a living room on a TV, that Michigan can play a series with Georgia and maybe not win a game in a series with Georgia. Uh the same way I think is true for Cincinnati and Alabama and maybe any other team in those two teams. Uh, that's why I feel like they're more elite is because if there was a series element of football, you could play best of three, best of seven, best of nine. I don't think Michigan wins a game. And uh, I still think Michigan's a very good football team. I think they're the third best team in the country. So um, if I'm the other guys, I'm thinking like we have every box checked, but one. Every box check but one, and we're young. We have an opportunity. We've seen the blueprint for how to find the success, how to create the chemistry and have the energy to get to this position again, and now we've learned how to prepare for a bowl game. That's a whole other monster, too, that you know, Georgia, Alabama, they're used to playing in two, one or two bowl games at the end of the year that is part of the playoff and all this stuff. This is – uh, uncharted territory for Harbaugh, for all the staff, for all the players. Uh, having familiarity, having been here before will matter in 2023, 2024. So uh, I have faith that that's going to be something that impacts us in a positive way uh, sometime in the future. Well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it tonight. Uh, again, Michigan loses to Georgia in the semifinal of the college football playoff. I mean, even that sentence alone, tell someone that in September, and they're probably sending you to – you know, the meant you know, be lobotomized or something. Just a twelve and two Big Ten championship, uh, crazy year. Um, it's been a pleasure to to jump on here and do these with you after the game, Ryan. I mean, I, I think we'll probably do some sort of season wrap up um, at some point. This one will sting a little bit, but eventually you have to turn the page and go from there. But to thank you all, you guys for listening, uh, for tuning in um, late on a on a holiday. It's New Year's Eve as we record this. We're about ten minutes away from jumping into 2022. So it's been an incredible 2021. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you're still here watching, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like on the video, um, hit the bell on there to be updated for when we post new videos. Podcast-wise, you guys know where to find us. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review and some good feedback. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast during football season here at thewolverine.com, and we will talk to you soon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.